Hey, welcome to Real Life. We're so excited to have you today, especially because it's Mother's Day. Woo-hoo! Raise the roof. Okay. So here's what's going on today. If you're joining us uh, during this service, okay, for the next hour and 15 minutes, if you're a mom, we want you to comment below in Facebook or in the chat at Church Online. And here's what you're going you're gonna to put in. Hashtag Real Life Mom 2020. Okay? Uh, it's going to be below right here. Real Life Mom 2020. Today at 1 o'clock... We're going to draw two names, one for the 9 service and one for the 1045 service. And you moms, whoever wins, is going to get a $200 gift card to Kohl's. And we're going to email that to you. And so we'll announce the winners this afternoon at 1 o'clock. But in order to be included in the drawing, moms, you need to put in the comments or in the chat, hashtag RealLifeMom. 2020. And if you don't know what a hashtag is, it's the pound sign. Okay? It seems 
morning, real life. Um, this morning, I just kind of want to share with you some things that have been weighing on my heart and share an experience with you um, that I had a few months ago. So I work at Coke um, in Wichita, and they have an organization where they started this program where they help inmates at the El Dorado prison uh, when they're released to get back into the workforce. So there is an opportunity for anyone to volunteer to go and interview um, inmates that are getting ready to be released uh, to help them prepare for interviews when they get out. And so it was me and um, two other people that interviewed these people. And um, it really made a big impact on me. So we met with seven individuals and several of them, you know, they had different, um, you know, things that were, they were in there for. There are a few people that were convicted of murder, some people convicted of um, drugs, um, you know, um, battery, that sort of thing. Um, and that's a question we had to ask because in the outside world, they're going to be asked that um, when they go for an interview. And we just really wanted to help them prepare them. And one question that we were to ask them is what were the qualities that a supervisor had that they can remember that was the best supervisor? And they said that it was someone that really cared about them, that took the time um, to work with them and ask questions and treated them with respect. And they said that, you know, a lot of times they're treated like animals, that they're not human. And the fact that people treat them with respect really hits home and believes in them. So I just got to thinking that Jesus died on the cross to for our sins so that we could sin and be forgiven for those sins. Um, there's not a laundry list of, oh, these sins are okay and these aren't. He forgives us for all sins. And he forgives these, you know, the people that are in prison that have done things that, you know, that they're in there for. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's just a personal thing that I'm going to treat anyone with respect. I don't care what you've done or anything. I'm going to treat you with respect because you're a person. God loves you. So I should love you too. And I should forgive you for what you've done. And that can be really hard because people can really hurt other people. And I think all of us can relate to you've been hurt before. And um, I came across a scripture. Um, it's Matthew uh, 6, 14 through 15 for all. I'm sorry. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. So I know it's it can be really hard to forgive others when they've truly hurt you, but really work hard to do that. Um, another thing is I know that sometimes I've felt this way too, and I know others have too, that you don't feel worthy of love or forgiveness, or you may have done something that you feel is so bad that you should continually be punished, and you shouldn't. Um, you should forgive yourself as long as you truly, sorry, truly really believe it, um, you know, and, and to repent. I know that Corey's been talking about that um, in the last uh, Sunday, um, but that's just kind of what's been weighing on my heart, and I kind of wanted to share with everyone. Um, it was truly a, a good experience, and um, we got some feedback from them that they were blown away that people would come from such a big corporation to come just help them out, help someone like them. And I don't, I didn't want them thinking that they were less than any other person. And we actually, during the interviews, would give them advice on how to gain more self-confidence and to feel better about themselves and, and that this isn't the end of their life. They're getting out and they can restart. I mean, this isn't their, this isn't the end of their story. So um, that's kind of what I wanted to share with you. And I hope you have a great Sunday and a, a great communion time to really reflect on maybe if things like that, um, 
any thoughts like that have been going on in your heart or in your mind. Um, so that's all I had for you. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us. So glad to have you. If you're a mom, don't forget to go hashtag real life mom 2020. Make sure you get your name in the drawing for that gift card to Kohl's. You know, lately there's been several times where uh, I've just been walking around the house and stopped for a moment to think about the privilege of being your pastor and fulfilling the role that God has given me in my life. I get to be your pastor. And that means that I get to share the joys and the sorrows uh, in your life. And I get to do life with all of you. Sometimes that's really great. Uh, sometimes it's not so great. 
But I'm excited that I get to be a part of your life and about what Jesus is doing in all of our lives. But I've also noticed that when I frame my thinking as I get to, things begin to look better. That little phrase, I get to, really can change my perspective. That reality around isn't changing, but my attitude does and can change. I get to be home with my son and my wife. I get to serve this amazing church. I get to worship God and pray in public all the time. And lately, I get to attend a whole church service with my wife without one of us having to be up on the stage. That hasn't happened for, I don't know, over 20 years. That phrase can change our thinking about giving too. We don't have to give, we get to give. That's one of the reasons that we have an offering time each Sunday. Yes, we're doing ministry. Yes, we're investing in our live streaming and, and, uh, and we're uh, doing all of the mundane things that, that make church work uh, week in and week out. But more than that, we're participating in kingdom work and we're working to make an eternal difference in more lives than ever before. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. It's not a chore, it's a privilege. And that even when we can't be in the building together, we can be building each other up. And in a minute, I'm gonna tell you how you can participate uh, in all that God is doing here in and through real life. But something amazing happened this week that I wanna make sure you know about. Last week, we received our very first financial gift from someone who's never been in our physical building. Somebody that's only watched us online. Uh, God ministered to them, spoke to them, and they appreciated it and sent a financial gift in to this church. I think they saw their gift as a get to and not a have to. And I'm so grateful for you who give each and every week to make sure that our ministry here can continue, that we can continue to do what God has called us to do. So. If you would like to give to support the ministry and the mission of Real Life, you can do that on your mobile device or computer. Just go to reallifecc.us and click on the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. That'll be there either on your mobile device or your computer on every page of our website. You can follow the few giving prompts and um, look, you're done. Uh, Make sure if you're setting up that account for the first time, that you sign in, that you create account for yourself. That way your information will be saved. And if you do have an account, make sure that at the top of the screen, in the top right-hand corner, there's a little person icon and it doesn't say sign in. Because if it does say sign in, you need to sign in. Look, if you're on our online campus, you can just click uh, the blue button that says give and you can be taken to that giving flow uh, right from church online. However you give, we appreciate the fact that you're doing that. And thank you to many of you who are messaging for our address and sending checks in um, because you're not doing that stuff online. We appreciate every gift that comes to help us help every person possible find real life in Jesus. Again, thank you for joining us online. I'm honored that I get to do this with you. Let me pray with you and for you. And if God moves you, give. 
God, we thank you for all of the things that you are doing, the many blessings that you have pouring into our lives. And I thank you for each and every person who is not just being blessed by what they're hearing and seeing through our online church service, um, but God, those hearts that you've been moving to give and to support what it is that we're trying to accomplish here uh, as you lead and through your power. Thank you, God, that you've given us this medium to continue to reach people, to speak into their lives and to call them into relationship with you. We pray that you would really help us, help every person possible find real life in your son, Jesus, and you would help us look more like him every day. One of the ways that we can do that is by giving. And so we thank you for this opportunity to give. In Jesus' name, amen. If you ever thought Jesus would find your life too dirty to love, I want you to listen up today. Jesus took a woman possessed by seven demons and not only freed her from that prison, but he gave her an impressive role in the resurrection story. Now, just like the physically dirty shepherds were the first to hear the news of Jesus' birth from the angels, they were first to see Jesus and they were first to tell others about Jesus. A spiritually dirty woman would be the first to hear the news of Jesus from angels. She would be the first to see Jesus risen after his death. And she would be the first to tell others that Jesus was alive. And so I want you to get this today. In fact, it's our bottom line because I want to make sure that you catch this. Your role is not determined by your rank. Your role is not determined by your rank. If you ever thought that your background was holding you back, well, that may be true socially, but it isn't true spiritually. Now, we know very little about this woman named Mary. We know that she was actually one of many Marys, Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary, the wife of uh, Clopas. There's several Marys. She's one of many, and that's probably why she's given the name Mary Magdalene. Probably she was from a small town called Magdala, which is southwest of the Sea of Galilee, right on the shore. And the Sea of Galilee is a place that Jesus spent a lot of his time. From the biographies of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we know a few things about this Mary of Magdalene. At some point, not recorded in any of the Gospels, Jesus performs a miracle in her life by freeing her from seven demons. We know that she was present at Jesus' death. She was present at Jesus' burial. She was the first one to the tomb on Sunday morning. She was the first to hear of Jesus' resurrection from the angels. She was the first to see and touch Jesus physically after his resurrection. And she was the first to tell others about Jesus' resurrection. While so much attention is paid to the apostles, and, and rightly so, a woman, and even a woman with a checkered past, was the first to hear, the first to see, and the first to serve the risen Savior. And that's 
pretty impressive, and it's a great story for Mother's Day 2020. It's also a perfect picture of Jesus' love because it shows us that Jesus doesn't base your role in his kingdom on your rank in this kingdom. And the reason that he doesn't is because God cares more about your spiritual condition than he does about your societal position. He cares more about what's going on in here than what's going on out there. Over and over in the Bible, we find God calling people to follow him who had previously been rejected by the society around them. Let me give you a few examples. Matthew, a tax collector for the Romans, had been rejected by his countrymen, the Jews. He had dirtied himself by not only associating with Rome, but then colluding with them in order to exact taxes from his own people. Simon, another disciple, had been rejected by law-abiding citizens as a rebel and a murderer because he was a freedom fighter against Rome. Think um, IEDs and suicide bombers in the first century anyway. Simon got his hands dirty where it came to Rome. There's also the story of a sinful woman in Capernaum who cried on Jesus' feet, then wiped his feet with her hair, and then poured expensive perfume onto his feet. Now, she's presumed to be sexually immoral in some way because the Pharisee in whose house Jesus was having dinner thought to himself, if Jesus knew who this woman was, if he knew her story, he wouldn't let her touch him. But there are several reasons why a person might be considered dirty according to the law by the Pharisees. Now, all of this to show us that Jesus didn't care much about what societies had to say about people that he interacted with. He was much more concerned with their spiritual condition and their openness to respond to his message. Now, there are several clues as to why Jesus chose to associate with Matthew, the tax collector, Simon, the, the freedom fighter, and the woman crying with a foot fetish. But we're going to take a closer look at the story of Mary Magdalene because her story fits perfectly with our series, To Be Continued, where we've been looking at kind of step-by-step step through the 40 days of Jesus' time between his resurrection and his reunion with the Father. And so Mary's story fits right in there perfectly. Let's jump into John chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. If you're joining us at Church Online, the notes for this message are, uh, you can find those just at the top of the chat window there. Um, you can also click on the Bible app right in the chat window, and from that page, you can read the Bible, follow along with the notes. Here's what John says about Mary Magdalene. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. By the way, I love that because remember, this is John writing this, and he's the one who Jesus loved. It's kind of weird and kind of cool that he refers to himself as the one Jesus loved. It's kind of like when Moses in the Old Testament says that he's humble and he's the one writing the story. Anyway, Simon Peter and the disciple who Jesus loved get, uh, are the ones that she told. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. 
Now, what happens right after this is that Peter and John have a foot race to the tomb. They were always jockeying for who was the most important in Jesus' little group of, of guys. But Mary is close behind them. They get to the tomb. They go inside the tomb. And while they're there, they see what's left after the resurrection. The stone slab where Jesus' body would have been laid. And Jesus' body would have been wrapped in, um, I think the text tells us about 75 pounds of uh, linen strips that had been soaked in uh, like essential oils and herbs and things like that to control the smell. But they would wrap the body all the way around the body, wrap the legs individually, the arms, and then wrap it all together as they laid the body on the slab. When the disciples get there and they look in there, Peter and John see all of this material that had been wrapped around Jesus' body simply compressed on itself. It appeared that the body from within the wrappings had just vanished. And, and that's why Peter and John can't really understand what's going on. And so what they do is they leave. And they go back to the house where Mary found them. But Mary stays behind. Hear what, here's what John says. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as Peter and John leave. She wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I'm wondering, why didn't Peter and John see the angels? Were they there? Peter and John just missed them? I don't know. But here Mary sees them seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they ask her, why are you crying? And she tells them, well, they've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. Now, remember earlier I mentioned that Mary was present at the cross when Jesus died. She follows Joseph of Arimathea to the tomb when Jesus is buried. And she now is the first to the tomb on Sunday morning. It's really apparent that Mary is seeking Jesus. While the disciples seem to be hiding for fear of the religious leaders, that, that they might suffer the fa same fate that Jesus had, Mary Magdalene doesn't seem to care about her life or what happens to it. She's up front at Jesus' death right next to his mom and John. She stays and watches Joseph as he takes Jesus' body off the cross. She follows the men to the tomb. She watches them wrap his body in the linen and the spices and bury it in the tomb. She watches the stone be rolled across the, the entrance, presumably under the watchful eye of maybe the Romans and maybe the religious uh, temple guards there because, remember, they had gone to Pilate and said, we think the disciples are going to try and steal Jesus' body. So they were probably watching all of this take place. And then very early Sunday morning, Mary is back at the tomb, prepared to, to go in and put more spices on the body of Jesus. Now, she doesn't know how she's going to roll back this huge stone, but she goes anyway. When she arrives, she finds that the stone is already rolled away, and apparently nobody else is there. But, but she doesn't know that when she leaves, right? If there had been Romans or temple guards there, you can bet that she would have been taken into custody and questioned because they said that the disciples came and stole his body, right? So here she comes as a follower of Jesus, somebody who would be um, very easily recognized because she's always there these last several days before Jesus' death. She would have been seen. She would have been recognized. She would have been hauled off and at least held for questioning, if not killed herself 
for Jesus' disappearance. Look, when you seek Jesus, it may come at a cost. Your family may ridicule you. Your friends may tease you. You're, you may be opening yourself up to, to lots of different possibilities from your friends and your, your family and your coworkers if they find out that you're seeking Jesus. But seeking is one of the spiritual conditions that Jesus is on the lookout for. Let me share with you a, a few of the things that were told in the Bible about seeking Jesus. Here's what the Bible says about seeking. Matthew says, seek and you will find. That's a pretty good promise, right? If you're seeking Jesus, you're going to find him. And then in Matthew 6, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. Before anything else in your life, seek first his kingdom. And then Hebrews eleven six tells us that God rewards those who seek him. That's what the Bible says about seeking. Mary was seeking Jesus. God is seeking people who are simply seeking him, looking for him, open to him. A seeking person may be looking for answers. They may come to you looking for answers. They may be looking for help. They might not know why they're looking or what they're even looking for. Jesus just cares that they're seeking and he wants to meet their deepest need. Look, have you ever lost your keys or your wallet and then searched for them all over and then you find them in the very first place that you looked for them. This happens to me a, a lot. If I don't put my keys in the same place every time, I look for my keys, I'm getting ready to go somewhere, I look on the counter, because that's the closest place to where I put them, I don't see them. I frantically look around the rest of the house, never find them, I come back to the counter, they're right there where I looked the first time. Does that ever happen to you? Sometimes when we seek something, we don't always see it right away. Look what happens in the next few verses uh, with John. At this, Mary turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. Okay, she just saw the angels inside the tomb. She turns and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't realize that it was him. And so he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And I think that's a beautiful picture right there. Not because Mary misses Jesus the first time, but because when he spoke her name, she recognized that. That's a beautiful moment. Mary Magdalene had seen Jesus many times, but this time when she looks at Jesus, she sees what she expects to see, not what she needs to see. There's a reason we can look at things and, and not see them. It's called a blind spot. And it's what happens when our mind convinces our eyes that what we're seeing isn't really there. And you can even look it up. Like this is a scientific thing. If you tell yourself you've lost your keys, it's entirely possible that even if they're right there in front of you, you won't see them because you've already conditioned your mind to not be able to see them. It's a really crazy thing. So while Mary has this struggle initially in seeing Jesus, she does see him and then she cries out, Rabboni. Now, Easton's Bible Dictionary 
calls this the most honorable of titles. And it's only used two times in the whole Bible. In Mark chapter 10, it's translated Lord or Master. And here in John 20, it's translated Teacher. But it's not just like a, a teacher in the classroom. I think what she's saying is Teacher of Teachers. Like, like you're the top, okay? Um, we go back to what Matthew said in 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. Like there's, he's first and he should be first. And so she recognizes that he's there, that he's present with her and she responds in this very appropriate way because Mary sees Jesus. She sees him clearly in front of her. And Jesus said some pretty important things about our need to see him. In John 14, 9, Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And then in John 15, he says, some have seen me and, th and they hate me. Some have seen the, the, the miracles that I've performed and, and yet they still hate me. So we can see him and we can still choose not to see him. He says in Mark 4 that some will see but never perceive and because of that, never be forgiven. You and I will never see Jesus like Mary or like Thomas, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, did. The apostle Peter wrote this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Now, Peter was writing to, to people like you and I, people who came to faith after the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension. People like us who, who may not see Jesus physically, but we recognize the work of Jesus in and around our lives. In fact, the Bible calls it like this, um, that the work of Jesus in our lives sometimes is like the wind. The wind blows and we see the effects of the wind, but we, we don't really see the wind. Sometimes that's the way God works in our lives. Mary had seen Jesus alive, and then she responded to that realization. You know, there are a lot of people today seeking a lot of different things to try and fill the void in their lives. People seeking relationships or, or power, or fame, or money, anything to feel secure in their life. But there's nothing that truly satisfies like being in a relationship with Jesus. But like Mary, you won't see Jesus until you're ready to see Jesus. Now, I think that sounds silly, but look, if, you, if, if you've experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can come to church, you can read the Bible, you can talk to people, and you can just miss Jesus until one day, it's like the light switch goes on. You won't be ready to see Jesus until you're ready to see Jesus. Now, when I find my missing keys there on the counter in, you know, the last place I looked, the first place I looked, I do something immediately. I use them. And usually the reason for that is that I've been looking for them because I got to go somewhere and I didn't see them the first time. And so I looked all over the house frantically and I came back to the counter and there they were. And now I'm late to wherever I'm getting. So I grab my keys and I hit the door and I'm gone. I think that's exactly what Mary did as well. Once she saw Jesus, once she found him in that moment, she responded by serving him. Let's go back to John. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have yet to, uh, I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that, what, that he had said these things to her. Now, not only is Mary the first to get the message from the angels, first to hear Jesus, first to touch Jesus, first to see Jesus, she now is the first to share Jesus. She gets to be the very first to tell others that Jesus is alive and that she has seen him personally. Now that's significant. Like I think we gloss over that story, but it's a significant moment in society in that day because in Mary's day, she couldn't own land in her own name. She had no rights really. Uh, any woman uh, have rights apart from their husbands. Women were treated like property that could easily be discarded when their husband felt like it. Women couldn't serve on a jury because their word uh, wasn't permissible, like they couldn't be believed. And so they weren't allowed to testify in court. And yet here is Mary being given this incredibly important role. She's the one, just like the shepherds were the first messengers of Jesus' birth, Mary gets to be the first messenger of Jesus' resurrection. She's the one who gets to go to the disciples and tell them he's alive. On Mother's Day, I'm reminded of the important role that women play, that moms play here at Real Life. We couldn't do what we do without a great number of moms. We have moms serving in uh, virtually every uh, ministry team here at the, at the church. Uh, we've got many moms serving in almost every role here at Real Life. And, and so um, let me tell you about one uh, in particular. Our student ministry director, Amber, uh, is in the same boat with, you know, every other family. Her husband has an essential job, and so he goes to work every day, but she's at home with her kids. And so she's teacher to her kids, homeschooling like everybody else. But because we've been in this crisis, we've been trying to produce some more uh, materials for you, especially if you've got kids, to share with your kids, to give them something to do, and maybe give you a little bit of a, a break, or maybe you can learn something too throughout the week. And so from the beginning of this crisis, for more than 40 days, Amber has been producing, videotaping, and producing uh, story lessons for your kids. She does one for uh, the younger kids and one for the little bit older kids. She does that multiple times a week. Uh, and then she produces weekend messages for uh, both the age groups of, of kids. She's doing a whole lot more than she ever was doing before um, when she would uh, just pre prep everything for Sunday morning, right? She's working multiple days during the week and taking care of her kids. So here's what I want you to do. Moms, uh, uh, ladies, if, if you're at home and, and maybe your kids are in the room with you, uh, especially your husband, if you're a husband, listen up right now. Here's what I want you to do. We're gonna raise the roof for mom for just a minute. So you got a mom in your life, you got a woman in your life, in your home right now. Let's uh, give her a cheer, let's clap, let's raise, woo! Way to go, mom. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, hope you forgot. Uh, hope you got her something. Um, by the way, so uh, mom, thank you. Uh, we couldn't do what we do here without all of the women that are involved, and so um, thank you very much. There's something that I want you to catch here, though, because I think it's important for us. In this moment, where Jesus and Mary are talking, he says, "Don't hold on to me 
because I haven't gone to the Father. Now I always struggled with that term. Like, why did he say that when he didn't say that to the disciples? And then I did a little more study and I figured this out. Here's what he's saying to Mary. Don't hold on to me forever. He's like, look, I'm only gonna be back here for 40 days. Don't hold on to me. I think Mary, when she saw Jesus, she saw that he was alive, she went to him and she grabbed a hold of him. I think she gave him a big old hug and she didn't want to let go. Like she'd lost him once, she'd watched him die. She doesn't want to see that happen again. And so she's holding on to him and he's saying, look, you can't hold on to me forever like this. You've got to let me go to accomplish what God has called me to do. So Mary could stay and hold on to Jesus for her own comfort. Or she could go and tell others what Jesus had told her in the text, go and, and tell my disciples, right? Or she could go and she could be, become a participant in Jesus' cause. So she could hold on to Jesus for her own comfort, or she could be a participant in Jesus' cause, and while she was comforted, she could comfort others. Mary chose to serve Jesus. Now look, if you think you've got to be good enough to serve God, you never will be. But if you seek him, and if you see him, your next step is to serve him. Seeing Jesus for who he is always leads to serving Jesus for what he's done. And there's a really good reason for that. Your spiritual role is to respond. As God leads you to respond, and he will always lead you to serve. No one has ever followed Jesus and, and done that without serving. Service is your spiritual act of worship. So have you been seeking Jesus? Have you seen Jesus working in your own life? Are you waiting for him to tell you what to do next? Are you wondering, or maybe you feel like he already has given you a next step? I hope so, because that's exactly what's coming next for you. Jesus doesn't want any of us to hold on to him for our comfort, but to get busy serving him for his cause. And there's a really good reason. Because serving him is the best way for you to get to know him and grow in him. Now look, I get it. This doesn't seem right. We think that if we come to church and we sit in the seats and we listen to the, the music and the message, that that's how we're going to grow. And, and we don't want to miss that because that's important to our weekly lives, our weekly ritual. Like but so many people, like it builds us up, right, to be in church and to be here and to listen. But the best way for you to get to know him and grow in him is by serving him. Yes, it's important to sit and listen and soak in what he's saying. But if that's all we're doing, we're not growing and we're not getting to know him. Because you can't do those two things if you're not looking like him. And Jesus came to serve. Listen, we expect to start in-person meetings toward the end of next month. And that means that we're going to be looking to stock our, our host teams, our worship teams, our kids ministry team, our setup team, our hospitality team. And as we gear up to relaunch, we're going to be pushing towards that. Just like Jesus wanted everyone to know that he was alive again, we want everybody to know that soon they're going to be able to find real life here in this place once again. And so we need your help 
We need you to join us in spreading the word just like Mary did. Look, everybody wants to come in and just hang out with Jesus. That's what Mary wanted to do. That's why Jesus had to say, look, you can't keep holding on to me. But if everybody just hangs out with Jesus, nobody else will get the chance to. Once you've seen Jesus, your role changes. It becomes seek, see, and then serve. We want to give you the opportunity to look more like Jesus in your daily life. And the best way to do that is to serve Jesus with your life. And so we're going to be putting the link to our volunteer page in the chat window at Online Church. You'll also find it in the comments uh, on Facebook. And we're asking you, just like Jesus asked Mary, we're asking you to get involved and to help us help every person possible find real life in Jesus. And if we're going to do that, it's going to take every person present, both in person and online. And so at this link, you can find ways to get plugged in and, and we'll be in contact with you as we get closer to reopening so we can build up our teams once again and make sure that we have every base covered so that when God begins to draw a crowd here in our building once more, we're ready to receive all of those people and to help them learn about Jesus in a way that they can understand. And that's important because look, if you're just holding on to Jesus, you're holding up his kingdom. If you're just holding on to him for your own comfort and for your own satisfaction, like I'm good, everything's good, I'm okay with Jesus, Jesus okay with me, you're holding up the kingdom. The kingdom works when we serve Jesus in the kingdom. Look, Jesus didn't choose you. Jesus didn't choose you because of your position in this life. He chose you because of your condition as his child. And your next step is to respond to the role that he's given you so that others who are seeking can see him in you and they can find hopefully what you have found, real life in Jesus. And so if you claim to love being in church and if you can't wait to be back here in, in person, you're ready to get back to our in-person gatherings, your response is not to just come as a consumer to church, to just be glad like Mary initially to come in and sit down and, and just consume what God is giving you, but to come as a contributor who recognizes that the best way to grow and the best way to know Jesus is to serve him in his kingdom, to play your role in the cause of Christ. And your role in Jesus' kingdom is not determined by your rank in this kingdom, but it does require your response. Let's pray. God, I thank you for loving us and for all that you have given to us. I thank you for being present with us today. And God, I thank you for calling us to be participants, to be contributors with you in your kingdom so that every person possible can find real life. And so God, whether folks are online watching or, or, or they're ready to come back in person, I pray that you would, you would transform us into a people who serve and who see that as part of our spiritual act of, of worship so that more and more people might hear and experience real life in your son, Jesus. 
And so God, I pray as we come back to in-person gathering next month, we're ready to hit the ground running. And we can be contributors and not just consumers of this gospel that you have called us to be a part of. God, thank you that when we seek you, we find you. Would you help more and more people to be seekers? Would you help us to connect them to your son, Jesus? We hope that you'll do that in and for your great name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, I wanna thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. And don't forget, you've got just a few more minutes while we play this last song to jump on Facebook uh, or to, in our chat window at Online Church, hashtag Real Life Mom 2020, and you can get entered in that drawing. We're gonna do that at one o'clock this afternoon. We'll announce the two names, one from nine service, one from 1045. Love you. I'll see you next Sunday. Happy Mother's Day.
I stand.